Welcome to the Trauma-Informed Witch Podcast, where we'll talk about patriarchy, mental health, creating money and abundance, and how to live a life that feels rich and that is rich. Let's go. Okay, everybody. Hi. Welcome to the Trauma-Informed Witch Podcast. I'm super excited to have Vicki Louise here. She is a life coach and a time genius. She knows how to change your relationship with time so that it's a, it's a, it's a, it's almost like, you know, you're like a relationship coach for time, our relationship <laughs> with time. Yes. So if you, you know, feel like you're stressed all the time or there's not enough time, you're in that place this episode is going to super help you and Vicky's even going to teach us how to hack your time mm-hmm. which I'm super excited about but Vicky why don't you start by introducing yourself and tell us a little bit about how you ended up as a time coach yeah and even as you say ended up I like feel like I'm still on the path like it's never ending um, because that's kind of how I ended up here. So now I consider myself a feminist time coach, but I actually did start as a relationship coach. So it's funny what you said there um, for like six weeks. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> I'm not good at this. I was like in my first relationship after like eight years, it was not my expertise at all. Um, and then I moved into anxiety and procrastination because I'd had a history with panic attacks and been able to use coaching tools to, to stop having that which was huge and then what happened was I grew my business very fast and it defied all the rules of time that I'd been told about right and I I almost had like a rage like everywhere I've every 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 core every everything that I've been told is like things take time and they don't like what this literally doesn't make sense um, and that messaging is everywhere. And that's when I started like, okay, if it doesn't take time, what does it take? Let me figure that out. And then let me go help all the people that are like giving things more time and giving, you know, we'll, we'll speak about this more, but like, I think so many of us, we give things time because we've been told that that's going to help. And yeah, the lesson and what we're going to be talking about today, I'm sure is like, you don't need to give things time. And when you actually are giving things time, it's, it tends to be you are giving fear more mm. and pre-programming and all of that good stuff that we don't want to be making our decisions. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So I want to start by digging in a little bit more into your journey because I find it so helpful to hear, you know, someone's story and then we'll kind of go into the principles of time hacking and that kind of thing in a little bit but I want to start you know I um know your story a little bit because I love your story and your message and I've heard you on a number of podcasts um so what was your relationship with time before you got into coaching and then what what took you into coaching Mm -hmm. from there yeah, I'm so glad you said that because I think a lot of people that meet me now think like I've always been like this. Right. Like, the opposite. Like I remember being a coach and being on the phone to one of my best friends and she was like, but do you remember that you were really disorganized? <laughs> She's like, who are you? Right, right. So I, I, the way I see it is I've gone through four phases and this is the four phases that I think um, I see most often with my clients are in one of these or oscillating between two two of them so the first is the procrastination phase so for me that meant staying in a job that I didn't really want to be in not making brave bold decisions um allowing myself to be stuck and often like over drinking or over socializing or overworking or like in my day job to try and prove myself and you know not taking any responsibility there but allowing myself to be unhappy and just putting everything off all the time Mm -hmm. um and while being busy in my social life to try and pretend that I was okay. Um, And then that moved into 
by the time, by the time I'd made the decision, I felt like I'd already wasted so much time that I like doubled down and hustled and worked 80 hour weeks. And I was like running a startup and doing an MBA and in an accelerator program and started coaching. And like, it was like, I mean, I just, (laughs) it was ridiculous. You know, I would, I was in the office at 10 p.m. at night when no one else was there. And and now maybe maybe that's more normal in certain places, but I just really didn't know how. I was coming from such a place of scarcity and fear that I'd missed something or I was already behind that I couldn't stop working. And then I went to what probably a lot of people have seen messaging about, which is like having the perfect plan and the schedule and color coding it. And if I'm really organized, then I'll get to do more in less time. And I really like (laughs) tried to shove myself into this perfect planner. And listen, sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. Um, But what I noticed now looking back was it was still having me follow someone else's And it wasn't allowing me to really connect with like myself in any level, trust myself. Like it's kind of like if you're the employer and the employee, I was like a terrible manager Mm -hmm. and a a frightened employee, employee. Right. Right. You were like the whip, the whip. Yeah. 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 And then, okay. What's the fourth stage? The fourth stage is being a time hacker. Yeah. 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 So I, I, my journey with time, I think is a little different. I mean, I think I spent a lot of time in phase two. Mm. So I was super busy. And I remember one time when I was in university, I was really exhausted, but in my mind, I wasn't busy enough to warrant the level of fatigue that I had. And my solution was to get another volunteering placement so that I could be busy so that when I felt tired, it felt justified. Mm. So if I had any addiction, um, it's definitely work and, and busyness has been like the addiction that I had, you know, growing up in the patriarchy, since you're a feminist, time code so we can talk about this you know I was really good at being the good girl and so I understand I understood that I could drink on the weekends and in college I would even sometimes get blackout drunk mm-hmm. on the weekends but then during the week I didn't drink because I was a good girl you know I was following all the rules so during the week my my salve to not feeling my feelings or you know was busyness. Yes. And so I think that was procrastination definitely happened within that, right? Like I was in school, so I'd procrastinate doing an assignment and then do it at the last minute, but I made sure I was busy. Yes. All of the time. And then yeah. Um I don't really know where but even then, like when, you know, the idea of doing it last minute is yeah, it's coming from the same thing of like wanting a reason to justify being tired, wanting to create from pressure, wanting to yeah. create from like that very different energy of like putting ourselves under pressure. Right. So it was kind of, yeah, it's kind of like, in some ways, it's the all three phases, the first <laughs> three phases, right? There was, yeah, there was the taskmaster that got mad at me if I didn't do it perfect and didn't work hard enough. And yeah, there was procrastination, but not, but not, you know, the thing about procrastination that is different in my life now is now it's like, I have breaks. Yes. I don't consider them procrastinating. Wow. <laughs> They're brilliant. But it's like just time where I'm going to do whatever I want. I can go for a walk. I can watch TV. I can lie on the couch. But it's rejuvenating as opposed to before, which it was like always working. And then when I started my business, it was also this 
yeah, this low grade, always working, but all, but really always being on Facebook and working a tiny bit, <laughs> but never feeling relaxed, even yeah. though I wasn't getting that much done. I was, you know, mm. I wasn't allowing myself to take a break either, mm. but then it was too much. So I would go on Facebook. Yeah. And so I really started I am a calendared person, which I know doesn't work for everybody, but it works for me. Yeah. And, but I have a lot of breaks, you know, my, my flow that I have found to work is I work for two hours or two and a half hours, and then I have an hour break. Mm -hmm. And that, that works for me because then I, when I come back to the next two hour block, I'm refreshed, I'm ready to. Yeah do some maybe harder thinking or whatever's coming up. Yeah. Well, what I love about that for everyone listening is like, it's different for everyone and it can even be different for the same person on different days of the month or, you know, and yeah. I think inviting that expert, what I've heard from you just saying that it's like taking that responsibility and allowing that experimentation and that play of like, let me see what does work for me. What does feel good instead of, oh, well, when I was in school, I was taught to fill my timetable and have it be, you know, nine to five with like two 15 minute breaks and a lunch break or whatever. So I'm just going to keep doing that. And I think the most important thing we can do is be willing to test and try mm -hmm. and see what works for us and be open to like, actually, this isn't working for me today and that's okay. And right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I love my schedule because I do have days of the month where I'm like, fuck it, yeah. this is not going to happen. But then I kind of have it where I can say, okay, this one thing, yes. you know, I, even this week I had a death in the family. And so, you know, I took a couple of days off and there was a funeral and, you know, yesterday it was like, okay, I'm going to do two things mm. and that's it. And everything else can, you know, happen next week or another time. But I, I find it helpful to kind of have that plan to start with that can be modified. Yeah. Like a framework. Yeah. If needed. And sometimes, you know, obviously that's an extreme example, but sometimes it's even just like, I feel, you know, super emotional one day mm -hmm. and I give myself time to rest. It doesn't have to be, you know, that is the example from this week, but um, it doesn't have to be that intense. Yeah. So, yeah, why don't you tell us what is time hacking? Because we've kind of been like teasing it all along. So let's let people in. What is time hacking according to you? Yes. <laughs> the so the way I the way I want to position it is so there's time management and everywhere you hear about time management. Right. And I think about the manager, like you know, you work for an organization as the manager, you are following someone else's plans, you are answerable to someone else. Um, like there's not much play in it. It's like a lot of the decisions are made for you and you're just managing the project. Whereas hacking, the reason why I chose to call my program and my community time hackers is like, it's kind of like, there's this way of doing something and we're just going to go in the back door. <laughs> like there's this like complicated way and right. we're going to say like, okay, I could make the perfect plan, put it in my calendar, color code it. Or what, like, if I just think about the result, how do I like gain access without following that? Um, yeah. So it's kind of, and, and you know, I'm, you know, I'm sure you think about this as well. Like our brains can be thought of as like an operating system. So like hacking the system that we've right. inherited that, you know, has a lot of beliefs and a lot of stories and a lot of dialogue that like we haven't intentionally chosen and we can like try and unlearn every single one or we can like hack the system. So that's a little bit of the why behind the name. And, and really it's like, it got to that point where, like I said, I hit a milestone in my business at six months and was like, this didn't take time. What did it take instead? And that's what I see as like, you know, when we remove time from the conversation, 
what are we left with? We're left with what I teach that we can speak about the time hacking method, which is like the three things that have you moving faster than time. And those three things are how you manage your brain. And it's as simple as how you talk to yourself, right? Like, are you like, oh, I can do things. Or are you like, I can't do things. I'm terrible at this. I'm a procrastinator. I'm a perfectionist. It's just who I am. Like that kind of programming is not going to have you accelerate. It's going to have you like walking in quicksand. Um, The second one is how you make decisions. And often, you know, we've been taught our whole lives that there's right and wrong decisions, there's better and worse decisions. And decisions are very scary and important and we better be right. And what I teach my clients is like decisions are data. If you are not in a decision, you are not knowing anything else. It doesn't matter how much research you do until you make a decision. Mm you're not gathering it <laughs> you're not gathering information it's like if you think about like a race or like a track like a dirt bike track and you like you want to know that where it's going to go high and low but you can't unless you start on the bike you're not going to know the route so you have to be willing to start so that's what I'd say about decisions and the third one really being how we um how we respond to our brains programming around fear of failure and like and understand it and you know how we use it, how we use it to fuel ourselves instead of to slow us down and when I focus on those three things I achieved results a lot faster than you know my hustling than my procrastinating or my perfect planning and it's kind of like when we put time to the side if we focus on these three things we just achieve a lot more in a lot less time. And I just want to point out as I'm saying that, like I work 15 hour weeks now. Mm-hmm. I mean, less right now, because maybe, you know, I'm pregnant and I'm very tired all the time. So it's like two hours today. <laughs> um, but it's like really what's the minimum we can do. And I think one of the things that came up with my clients this week is is really because those three things are quite intense things. They're not scrolling on Facebook for ideas. They're not like redesigning the website colors. It's like when you are putting yourself in a position where you are challenging your brain, you are making decisions and you are failing forward, it's uncomfortable. You actually need more time off. So you can't 40 hour work week with this, with these three things. Right, right. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So let's, if you feel open to this, let's take, because you made 100K in six months. Am I getting this right? Right at the beginning of your business. So let's use that as an example. And can you tell us how you used each of these steps to create that result? Yes. And also I will say I did it in six months, then six weeks, then two weeks. So that was when I was like, so what, because what happened in the first six months was I was just doing the things. And then at the end of it, I was like, how did I do that? Yeah. When I was doing it, but. And then you're like, oh, I'll apply it and I'll yes. do it in six weeks and then I'll do I'll it in two it. weeks. Exactly. Yeah. Um. So the first thing that I did, as you know, is I applied for a mastermind where I didn't meet the criteria and was told specifically not to apply um, I just closed a business. Me and my partner, now husband, um, were moving back from Austin into my parents' house. Neither of us had jobs. Um, like all the reasons on paper for me to like not go all in on a coaching business. Um, and I got a huge amount of debt for me at the time, the biggest amount of debt. I mean, I'll just say the number $25,000. Um, and so that was the terrifying decision right that I made mm. mm-hmm. you know so I was step two that's step two I wasn't making a decision based on where I was now I was making a decision based on where I wanted to be and that was fueled by and what that required to go back to step one yeah what that exposed me to was actually believing in myself right like I, even though it was like one percent belief like I had exposed myself to the fact that I did actually back myself. Like, and it was, t- and it's, it was so easy to not back myself when I wasn't taking on debt. And when I was all of these things, it was easy to be like, I can't do this. Like it's such a luxury to be able to be like, I can't do this. And then spin out in drama for the day. I'd removed that as an option. Like right. I, this, you know, irresponsible decision by all accounts of what I've been taught. Yeah. Um, 
And it exposed me to like, right before I made the decision, I really sat with like, do I believe in myself or not? Because if, if not, I'm obviously not doing this. Like, right. So that hacked my brain way faster than me sitting, writing down, I believe in myself a hundred times every day for a year. Right. You kind of put your money where your mouth was. You're like, I believe in myself. If I believed in myself, I would do this. You know, and maybe this is a question for people listening. If you believed in yourself, what would you do? What decision would you make right now? Right. I think about people listening that like on the verge of working with you. And it's like, as long as they don't make the decision, they don't really have to believe in themselves. But what they want is to believe in themselves. So make the sit in the yes. Like I didn't sit in the yes and send the money the same day. Right. But I was like, yes, I'm going to, it was easy for me to say no. So let me sit in the yes. Let me tell my husband what I'm doing. Let me tell my family what I'm doing. Let me talk about it. Like it's happening and see how it feels and what I'm exposed to and underneath came this like what had been like a quiet roar of like you can do you can fucking do this like (laughs) you can fucking do this and it was like what like where's that voice been um and then of course throughout that six months it would come again and it wasn't consistent and it wasn't every day and it what I don't believe it needs to be um But when it was, when I was exposed, you know, just about letting yourself allow that voice to be there and not make it wrong because you don't believe it all the time and not judge it because you're not producing the result today, but really be like, there is that murmur. There is that like roar of a lion inside of me. Like there's definitely something. And maybe she only speaks up for five minutes a week or a month or whatever, but like, when she's there, we remember who the fuck we are for a minute. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, taking, and I think this is your step one is taking time to cultivate that, to journal about it, to talk to her, to yeah. call on the part of you that's like, fuck yes, I can do this. Because I think, you know, knowing my community a little bit, I think all of you listening are really good at finding your faults and working on yourself. You know, like the people in my world are like personal development junkies and always, you know, diving into the shadows and, you know, and, and all of that is important. I'm not saying that work is not important, but I think the work that we're not really taught to do partially because it is a patriarchy and, I don't know what the other reasons are, but to build up the belief that yeah. I am good or I am smart or I am hardworking yes. or I can do this. I have my own back and, and whatever, you know, all of us, some of those things are going to be harder to believe than others, but there are some that are going to be easy to yeah. believe, but we don't practice. Yeah, because if they're easy and we think hard is what creates results, we dismiss what's easy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you're right, actually. A, a lot of um, the coaching world and work is about, like, awareness of where you are. And I think a lot of us try and use it to get from the negative to the neutral. But I absolutely focus and teach my clients to way more focus on the, like, what are you already believing that's going to fuel you? from like a different energy like fuel yourself not from like I'm in the grind and I'm in the muck and I'm gonna like get myself out of the muck like sometimes fuel yourself from like oh I actually for example for me it was like I actually love meeting new people I'm really good at meeting people that's like easy I can have a conversation I mean like us now like I can always talk to people I literally love that why don't I like celebrate that instead of telling myself that's not important right or even I was in a a mindset workshop recently that was talking about how people succeed in their careers, whether it's entrepreneurship or in the corporate world or nonprofit, wherever you work, is by finding out what your strengths are and then growing your strengths. We don't, the, the people who do the best in their careers are not people who take something that's super hard for them and that they are not natural at and cultivate that. Mm-hmm. It's actually what are your strengths? So for you, Vicky, it's like talking to people, you know, and 
whoever is listening, you can think about what is one of your natural strengths mm -hmm. and how can you increase that as opposed to, you know, saying, for example, oh, I should get really good at Facebook ads, yeah. right? Yes. And, and not that there's never a time to try something new and learn a new system, but I think, yeah, to cultivate yeah. what you're good at. Okay, so in your, oh, sorry, you have something. I was gonna say, and also it depends where you are in your business. So at first I was like, I'm really good at talking to people and I'm really not good at writing. And then that served me for a while and then to focus on building relationships. And then I was like, oh, what if I see writing as relationships? But mm. had I, you see how I solved it from the mindset of like, I can do things instead of sitting in the like, I'm terrible at writing. How do I get good at writing? I can't write. And had I sat there, like who knows how many courses I would have bought, how much I would have, you know, sat behind the screen staring at an empty page. But because I focused on what I was good at, I then was just able with what, this is what I mean by hacking. Like I was able to say like, wait, what if writing is relationships? <laughs> like yeah. Everything. Yeah. Writing is talking written down. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. As opposed to, oh, I'm really bad at writing. So I need to lift this heavy roll this heavy rock up a hill it was like you found your way into writing right that right. works for you you're like oh actually I love writing if it's relational yeah now I love writing yeah yeah and and the third thing I'll just share with the third changing our relationship with fear and failure it was yes it's actually my best friend and I just committed to this mastermind and then I had like three sales calls and all of them were a no and then someone was a yes and then they were a no and I remember speaking to him and he's in um recruitment for renewable energy and um had been for like really was there when people weren't paying that much attention to that industry now it's you know much more recognized and I remember speaking to him and being like you know what I'm just not like I just can't do this it's just clearly not going to happen and he said to me how many no's does it take to get a yes? Like a hundred? And I was like, a hundred no. You think I would be, <laughs> I would be breathing if I'd had a hundred no's? I was like, I got three no's. He was like, three no's. And I was like, oh, okay. I'm really off whack with like, you know, my Conversion. story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that was a real lesson in like, oh, what if like I actually want to fail. And obviously now that's like such a pillar of what I teach um, from that one conversation and that willingness to change my relationship with failing. Yeah, and I think for those of us who, well, it, it, I mean, it applies to dating, it applies to sales, it applies to everything. But yeah, it's like a good conversion rate if you're talking to, if you talk to 10 people and two of them say yes, that's, Mm -hmm. You know, I think the people who come from a sales background, they're like, yeah, that's a good 20%. It's a good conversion rate. And I guess that's like the average conversion rate in real estate or something, right? 20%. Um, so you should talk to 10 and maybe one or two will yeah. be a yes. And then if it's a, if it's an email, it's, you know, one in a hundred mm -hmm. it will be a conversion. So um yeah to start to normalize because i think the school system really sets yes. us up to misunderstand this right in 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 the school system you take the test you have one chance yeah and if you don't do well it's like well you just didn't do well so you just suck at geometry and moving on <laughs> yeah or i i almost they tried to like hold me back in school a year to redo exams it's like you failed this is terrible but the reality is for entrepreneurship or dating or like anything in the real world it's like you are going to fail but when we make failure wrong when we make it unsafe to fail two things happen one we don't take action because we avoid the fail and two, when we do fail, we hide away from it. We shove it under the carpet, which means we don't learn anything from the fail. And that for me is like the biggest shame in the narrative that we have around fail, failing, because what I did for those six months was learn from every single fail. And so by the end, it was like the demand was just so high because I'd gotten so good, not because I just failed and was like, 
all right, another fail. Because I literally was like, wait, what is the lesson here? What can I implement here? Like, what's like the what if I was going to pick one thing from this that I was going to implement instead of what are the 20 things I need to implement? Like, what's the one thing that I want to test next? Um, And that just had me moving forward so much faster. Yeah. And what I'm hearing embedded in this is this like self-kindness. Because I think when we go into shame around a fail and we start beating ourselves up, it's impossible to learn Mm -hmm. from it, right? You just feel horrible. You don't want to look at it. You don't want to remember what happened or like, yeah, yeah, try to find the lesson because you're just like, I suck and this sucks and Mm -hmm. I'm never going to make it and whatever the shame spiral thoughts (laughs) people have, but there's a level of self-kindness and self-love of being like, oh, I failed. I still love myself. I still think I'm amazing. I can still connect to that part of me that's like, you're amazing. You've got this. And then to look at it from that place of, okay, what went really well, you know, to still focus on the positive and then yeah what's the what am I learning what's the lesson if I was to shift one thing yes yeah what would I shift yeah and all you can notice like as as I'm hearing you say it back to me and I hope everyone listening just to point out to you you can see what's happening is we're connecting the brain hacking with the decision making with the failing and they all work together and when they all work together it's like it doesn't require more energy from you. It doesn't require more time from you. It's like this thing is just like fluidly moving forward in a really sustainable way. Um, and that's that's what I want people to know is that like, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing I'm like understanding as we talk this through on a deeper level is like the reason we don't want to make decisions is because we don't want to fail. Yeah. That's like a very, so I speak about it, like our brain has these strategies to keep us safe. It's one job is to keep us alive. And yeah, so we evolved to avoid failing because failing meant death. And we then were socialized to avoid failing and all of these things. And so if we don't make a decision, then we don't do anything because a decision has to happen before we do anything. A decision happens before I decide to pick up a glass of water. I decide to get water. Like it's no, you know, like it really is that simple. So if our brain tells us, and maybe some people listening have this story, I know I've come across this a lot with my clients is like, I'm just indecisive. It's so clever because then we are just not going to make decisions and then we are not going to expose ourselves to potential failure. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's easier to say, oh, I don't know, or I'm thinking about it. I I probably will do this, but maybe in two months, (laughs) you know, just pushing things off because once you decide and, and, and one thing I heard someone say, I can't remember who, um, if you know, tell me please, but, uh, that success and failure are in the same neighborhood. Yeah. And so when we're not, you know, if we use the dating example, if we're not going on dates or we're not swiping on the apps or we're swiping on the apps, but we never message anybody, right? You know, it's like, you're not going to fail. You're not going to be rejected. You're not going to be ghosted. You're not going to, you know, go through all the, the things that on, you know, the things that online dating has in this day and age. And it's unlikely that you're going to meet your partner or, you know, the person that you want to be with because you're just, you're hiding in the cave, basically. Yeah. And even it's like, so I love the dating example. And it also ties into what we were speaking about with your schedule. I think the value of dating and having it not work out isn't, just to fail or just to, for the other person to learn about them. It's to learn about you. Like mm-hmm. you get to figure out what you want and don't want by experiencing the fails. Just like you get to figure out what works and doesn't work for your business by experiencing the fails. And there's a quote that I love that I lived for my whole life. I either win or I learn. And I'm like, Oh my God, I love that quote. I did a podcast episode on it. And then that week 
I can't remember what happened, but something smacked me right in the face and was like, no, 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 no. It's not I win or I learn. It's I win now or I learn now. And if I learn now, I win more later. And when we are, right? Like, it's like, we think we want the win today. Like, we think we want to meet the guy today. We think we want to sign the client on day one of our business. But what happens then is, we don't know how to take credit for it. We don't know how we created it. We, you know, imposter syndrome, all of that delicious <laughs> shit comes up versus like failing, learning, implementing, like we spoke about, and then actually creating like a blueprint that's like plug in, plug out and being like, oh, like actually learning today is going to create five wins in the future. Totally. Yeah. And I, you know, I have an amazing partner now, but I had years and years and years and years of single dumb or dating the wrong person or whatever. And yeah, it it did take me years, but eventually I had like a system that worked for me. It's like, I'm an introvert. So I would even, by, by the time I like honed my online dating system, it's like, I would do a screening call because I'd been on enough dates first dates where you walk in the room and within 10 seconds, I'm like, oh, it's a no. Like I I just, there's something about the chemistry that doesn't work. So, you know, some people might, some people like going out and can have a ton of fun, even if it's the wrong person, because I'm introverted, that's not me. So I like developed the system where it's like, I'm not gonna meet you until we talk on the phone. And if we have phone chemistry, then I'll get dressed up and (laughs) you know, do all the work that goes into going out. And again, yeah, it's like, that's not going to work for everybody. Somebody, somebody else might love that maybe their favorite part is like meeting a ton of people and making a ton of friends, you know, in the first date, or they love trying different bars and restaurants. And so, that's like their opportunity where they're like let's be here and then they get to try the new place that they want to try but it is that it was through going on multiple terrible first dates that i was like oh i don't want to do this anymore but i still want to date so how do i you know what's my solution and the same is true with your business right there's so many ways to market there's so many ways to sell yeah. And you get to figure out your way that's fun for you, that you love, and 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 that uh, takes your skills or your the things you're already a genius at and just you get to do them. Mm-hmm. You don't have to follow a formula from whatever dude bro marketer. Yeah. It's the same with time. Like it's it literally is the same with time. You don't have to follow the 5 a.m. club. You don't have to eat the frog, the Pomodoro method, the, like all of this stuff. It's like cool. Or we can like be willing to use these three steps to you know, figure how, out your time, your relationship with time. How you optimize your time when you and like again, it, it doesn't have to be the same every day or every week, or things are gonna happen and life's gonna happen and you know, when you change your relationship with time, like the first thing you spoke about on the podcast today, um, it stops being about rules and the right way and the wrong way and starts being about like you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things that I work on with my clients is this concept of sacred goals. And I think like this time hacking method totally applies. Mm-hmm. to your sacred goal, whatever your sacred goal is right now. So just mm-hmm. putting that in. So you did a po- an episode on your podcast about a time diet. So I'm wondering if you can speak about that yeah. concept, because I think it's yeah. super meaningful. Yeah. Um, I think, t- I think, you know, we just have so much dialogue around time that we've just inherited and never changed as the world has moved forward. So the idea that things take time, and I even think about me and you speaking now, you know, I'm sat in England, you're in the US, how would this conversation have happened 50 years ago? Like, not this fast. No. (laughs) Not to mention all the people that are listening to the episode, how would we have got it to them? Like, it would have taken time. 
Um, so we continue to talk around time and give it way too much responsibility and way too much credit. And, and what I speak about with the time diet is like removing time from your vocabulary. So when my clients say, for example, like, oh, you know, I don't have enough time. I'm like, what is it actually? Like, if it's not time, if you can't use the T word, what is it? And it tends to be like, I don't think I'm capable. I'm, I'm not making a decision or I'm afraid of something, you know. Or like, I don't want to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think especially people socialized as women, we're taught you don't get to say no, or the only time you get to say no is if it's extremely abusive. Like yeah. it has to be like. Justified. Yeah, justified. And there has to be a huge mm. reason. Otherwise you're a bitch, right? Like my definition of a bitch is a woman who says no. Mm. A woman who has boundaries is a bitch. So let's <laughs> all be bitches. All be bitches. And, and so, yeah, sometimes we say, oh, I don't have time to meet you for coffee, but really it's like, it's not a priority for me. Yeah, yes. So what you're speaking about is our conversation with other people, right? Mm -hmm. Where we use the time excuse because we've not been, we've not been socialized to feel safe to say, to say things like, I don't want to, this isn't important to me. This isn't interesting to me. Maybe I don't like, I don't feel like I don't want to see you. Like I don't, we don't have a relationship. I don't think we have a yeah, relationship. Yeah, we haven't met before. And yeah, yeah I don't I don't want to make new friends right now. That's not yeah. my goal. Yes. And it's like, so we say time. And then what ends up happening is the other person then doesn't know the real reason. So they can continue to keep asking us. And we continue to keep saying time. And it's like this whole relationship is like so disempowering of us and them and the whole thing. And it's like, what if you just weren't allowed to say the t word what else would you say because it's just it is a socially acceptable excuse and reason to get out of anything totally i don't have time i've got too much going on it's not the right time for me like whatever it is versus like if you don't have time for it i promise you it's not important to you and i want everyone listening to think about this think about someone you admire like in the world right and then imagine getting a phone call from them like right now and being like, do you want to come away for a month? You want to come away for a month on this like amazing trip and retreats and, and you're going to shadow me for a month and I'm going to put you in front of all my teams and you're going to get, you'd be like, yeah, do. Like I'm like seven months pregnant. I'd be like, yeah, do. I'm coming. Like my, I'll bring my baby. Yeah. We'll just, we'll just like figure it out on the road. Like, and, and, and I said a month on purpose because I wanted it to be like a stretch and uncomfortable, like really, but it's like, we, we create time for what matters to us. We create time for what's really important for us. And um, that's way more empowering to acknowledge than being like victims to time. Um, and I just think we're better in relationships with other people in relationship to ourselves when we stop saying the time thing because we say it out loud and then we believe it so we don't even question like what is the actual reason I don't want to do this and it might be because I actually don't want this person in my life anymore yeah yeah and I think yeah I I part of my healing journey was like I burnt out from my job and then I went and lived at an ashram for two years Mm. and that was like my first step on my healing journey and healing this addiction to busyness I was talking about like that was where that all started and um one of the thing one of the teachings of the ashram that I was at it's like the power of speech mm. like our words have power and it's totally you know related to coaching right which is our thoughts have power and then when we speak them out loud they get even more power than if they're just floating around in our heads and so there was this you know thinking about discernment mm -hmm. with our speaking and i think this totally applies to the word time it's like yeah if you're lying to yourself or lying to others by saying it's about time as opposed to i'm scared or i don't want to yeah. It's, you know, our words have a ton of power and even, you know, this message is coming home to me even more with, you know, the war that's happening and the, 
that, you know, at least that Russia is really trying to brainwash their people mm-hmm. into Ukrainians are evil and, you know, and it's partially working and partially not, but, you know, it's like, <laughs> it, it, it just, I think sometimes we can, or at least I have thought in the past, like marketing isn't important. Mm -hmm. Marketing is just like for greedy, rich business people. Like that's like an old thought of mine. And to start to think like, no, marketing changes the world. Mm. Words and messages and slogans change the world. And so it starts with us, right? It starts with us being honest about our our own lives. But it really, you know, I definitely was the person when I started my business that was like, I love working with my clients and like all the rest of it. Fuck that. I don't have time for it. I'm too busy. <laughs> I don't so. have time for it. I don't like it. I'm bad at it. You know, all yeah. the thing. I've never done it before. And, and I'm starting to come around to like, oh no, first of all, it can be super fun. Like this is, we're doing marketing right now. This is so fun. I love this. Mm -hmm. And it's actually just as important as the work I do one-on-one with a client. Yeah. Which is like, which, which is, it's like my version of like, you know, marketing is relationships your version of like marketing changes the world. Like this is as important as the work I do with my clients. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one more question and then we'll talk about your podcast and how people can connect with you. But I wanted to just ask if someone is struggles to make decisions or identifies as indecisive or like that's something that's hard for them, what do you what do you teach on that subject? Yeah, so it's kind of like um, when we identify as being indecisive, we are our brain is like putting up these blinders and only focusing on the decisions that we struggle to make. So one of the things I would have my clients look at is like, what are the decisions that you are already making? Like every day. And it can be as simple as like, I decided to brush my teeth. I decided to put this t-shirt on. I decided to have a coffee. And we're so dismissive of these like small decisions that we're making every day. Mm. But it's like, you literally are decisive. And then what, and then we can start to look at, okay, so what do I think is the difference between deciding to make a coffee versus deciding to launch a business or make an offer? And it's like underneath that, like, it's it's our different thoughts it's our exposure to potential rejection it's our you know like it's where are we creating safety and and once we see that it's only different thoughts like well this is small and this is big and it's all completely subjective then we can start solving for it so I would really and anyone who thinks like oh I'm just indecisive I'd be like you are half the time indecisive and half the time not indecisive and in fact decision-making is something you do every single day. You are highly experienced in it. It's not like me trying to like, I don't know, launch a rocket or something. Like it's it's literally something you have been doing your whole life. We just need to direct your brain to where you are already doing it instead of arguing with the story and getting frustrated with it and that kind of thing. Yeah, I love that. You're better at decision-making and you think look down what are you wearing you yeah. made it you made that decision good Everyone job to this podcast they did like they decided literally to listen to this podcast they decided to have whatever however they are listening to it they decided to um purchase or lease or whatever that unit or like the headphones or whatever it is like there's so many just dis- you are sat in so many decisions right now you just have to be willing to like open up and look for them like in what ways am I decisive what decisions have I made today what are three decisions that I made today like really your brain see them yeah and even like what are three decisions I've made in the past month that I'm proud of yeah yeah because you're probably not only making way more decisions than you think about but you're probably way better at making decisions than you think yeah 
And like, what's exactly, you could even, I love what you said there that you're proud of. It's like, what's one decision that I made that feels amazing? Like just really sitting in that, like what you said earlier about how we're so quick to sit in the negative. Like you just, I see it as like a seesaw and it's like, we're like the negative side's just got like a pile of evidence. We just want to start stacking the evidence on the other side. Yeah. 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 And you decided to listen to this podcast. So you're freaking genius. Yeah. That's like an excellent decision of the day. Yeah. So you already have that one. What's one other decision that you're proud of? Okay. Um, If people are intrigued or excited about time hacking, how can they learn more from you, work from you, work with you, all the things? So you can find me on Instagram at Feminist Time Coach. Um, You can go to my website, vickilouise.com. And there's even like a download there of like the four biggest time wasters and how to solve each of them. Um, and I also have a podcast called Hack Your Time. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> yeah. So good. And Vicky is on a ton of other people's podcasts too, which I love. Because I, I love speaking, right? So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, I love like, um, two people podcasts for some reason. I, I, I like the solo shows too sometimes, but like, I like the back and forth and the magic that happens relationally. Um, And so, yeah, if you just search her on whatever app you use, ton of ton of hers will come up and then all different kinds of episodes too. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I think that was super valuable and I feel like I understand the method on a you know and in deeper level from that conversation and I'm sure everyone listening got something really important out of it too so yeah thank you everybody and I'll talk to you next week bye if you resonated with this episode I want to offer you a free private one-hour consultation with me through doing the deep inner work my clients have been able to do things like quit the job they hate and land a job they love or get their first paying clients in their dream business and if they're a little bit further down the road double their revenue They've been able to fall in love and go to bed each night feeling satisfied and accomplished. In the consultation, we'll talk about what your dream looks like, what's getting in the way, and whether working together can help. Email me at brin at brinbamber.com to book.